Abstract Athlete Podcast, a collision of art, sports, and science. Welcome, everyone. Thank you, as always, for listening to the Abstract Athlete Podcast. Thank you so much to our listeners and sponsors for your amazing support. Any questions or comments, please remember to send it to info at theabstractathlete.com. A reminder to make sure to check out the other podcasts on the Abstract Athlete Network, The Abstract Doctors with Dr. G and Dr. C, and One Man's Ethos, the Tony Mandridge podcast. Stop by our website, theabstractathlete.com, and follow us on all of our social media platforms for updates and news. Honored, and I really think this is a pretty special podcast today as I chat with four-year letterman in lacrosse at the United States Military Academy, a Green Beret veteran. He had both of his legs amputated above the knee from an IED explosion in Afghanistan. He has been awarded three bronze stars and a purple heart and is currently the president at Pam Jets. Really a true survivor and an inspiration, Ben Haro. Make sure to follow Ben on Instagram at B-H-A-R-R-O-W-3-7. And also make sure to check out Pam Jet's website, PamJets.com. Let's welcome Ben Haro. Okay, cool. Well, dude, I, I'm recording, so thank you for doing this. Um, you know, I always want to say thank you. Thank you for your service. And I want to thank JB our mutual friend for putting us, uh, together. Uh, I just think you like, you have like a really super fascinating story. That's like, you know, it's, it's inspiring. Um, and it like, it touches on a lot of things that we, we talk about, like you were, and I, I always like to say, I, I like these to be like, you know, this is your platform as far as I'm concerned. So I just want you to like tell your story and stuff, but I'll give a little background, but, um, you know, you played four years of lacrosse at West Point, um, and and now you're are you still playing again? I know you got back into it because, so I mean, again, your story is like you did three tours in Afghanistan, the third of which you stepped on, and you know it's it's a pretty well known story, um, like you stepped on an IED and and lost both of your legs, and then and then through like your perseverance, your like your ingenuity, I don't know, like the right word to say, like you like kind of almost found a different way to really like be able to have a prosthetic. I mean, I'm probably saying this completely wrong, but like you found a way that you were able, because the way that you lost your legs traditionally was not supposed to be able to have a prosthetic, a prosthetic, correct? Is that saying it correctly? Yeah, I mean, you're you're actually not doing that horrible of a job. I, I've heard other people murder my story uh, more more so than than, than you you are, and, and you're really not doing that bad of a job. Um, so yeah, so I played four years of lacrosse at uh, at West Point. Um, I uh, I did three tours, uh, one to Iraq as an infantry officer, and came back from Iraq and went to selection and uh, got selected and, and went through the key course and became a Green Beret. And my other two deployments, I was a special forces attachment commander um, and went to Afghanistan. And the end of my, or I'm, excuse me, about halfway through my third deployment overall, my second deployment to Afghanistan, uh, stepped on my IED and uh, resulted in the loss of, of both my legs and some other stuff, fingers and piece of my right arm. 
Um, and you know, the, the what you're ta talking about the, the resilience piece and the, and really ingenuity piece and, you know, just, just not wanting to, not wanting to quit, um, having this defined end state and kind of vision in my head of, you know, nobody's going to determine what I, what I can or can't do. Um, you know, getting told that I, I may not be able to walk ever again. And the, the wheelchair is just part of my life for the rest of my life. I just, it didn't sit well with me. And uh, I just refused to, to be told no. And what I did was I did my own research um, and became a subject matter expert on orthopedic surgery and discovered this process where really women in Russia and China, they pay to get their shin bones broken to try and uh, get a couple of inches of height and go off and be models somewhere just to better their lives. And I said, well, you know, if you could do that to a, a tip and a fib, why not a femur? You know, bone is bone. And uh, I took that idea back to the docs at Walter Reed. And they're like, yeah, no, we, we know about this process. We use it to correct uh, compound fractures and realign bone. And it's bone lengthening. We know about bone lengthening. And in my mind, I was like, well, you know, I don't know if we can curse on here, but I'm like, why yes, the F did it? Why the fuck did anybody tell me about bone lengthening? Like this would have been a game changer. You know, why, why was it up to me? Um, which once again, just goes to prove, and I, and I, you know, I, I, I harp on this and it's, you know, even though I harp on it and I talk about it, it's something that's always, uh, I need to be refreshed, uh, as well is at the end of the day, all of your successes and failures is your own individual responsibility and, you know, your health and going through the recovery process like I did. Um, it's at the end of the day, it, it's really on you, you know, like the, the government, the hospital, people, caregivers, doctors, processes, the tools out there, they're all out there to help you succeed. But at the end of the day, it's really on you to, to put all the pieces together. And uh, I did that. And so uncovered this process and um, was able to, to do bone lengthening. Um, it, it, it was actually a 11-month process and two surgeries to implant this uh, device that looked like two AA batteries stacked on top of one another um, inside my femur and uh, underneath the skin connected to the device up by my hip joint was uh, about a quarter size uh, radio receiver underneath my skin. So four times a day, I would take the radio transmitter and I would stick it over the receiver that was buried uh, in my hip. And then I would put on a stethoscope and listen to what was going on inside, flip the, the power to the radio transmitter, and that would send juice to the device inside my, uh, my femur, and that would like turn the screws. Um, so basically, instead of using an external fixator, excuse me, and, and using like a wrench to turn the screws the old fashioned way, which unfortunately I had to do for about a month because I had one minor setback, but, um, but 11 months of, uh, excuse me, about four to five months of doing the lengthening process. And then, um, or maybe a little more, I mean, it was like seven, seven, eight months of the lengthening process. And then like three or four months of just letting the bone harden <clears throat> before I could, uh, put pressure on it again and start walking and all said and done. Um, you know, in the beginning of the process, the doc said I would only get two to three inches of bone. And to me, that, that would have been a game changer. And I was willing to do, you know, move, he move heaven and earth just to get two to three inches of bone. Uh, I ended up getting uh, 13.8 centimeters, which comes out around roughly like five to five and a half inches. Um, so, I mean, that's, I, I got myself up and walking. 
it's a procedure that I, I know they do. They did for other guys at the hospital, guys that I was, you know, I was, I was friendly with and played sled hockey with, and I know it helped them and improved their lives. Um, but honestly, at the end of the day, you know, not to sound selfish, I was really looking out, you know, for my own care and just trying to get myself up and walking and <clears throat> uncover this process and this procedure to help other guys. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm glad I was able to do that. Yeah, no, I mean, that's, that's reading through like multiple, like, you know, articles on you and, and different stuff to, to, to hear that they actually have kind of now instituted what you brought to them as part of a procedure. Like that has to be really rewarding to you. I mean, again, like you said, you know, you were looking out for yourself, but at the end, like at the end of the day, like while looking out for yourself, you're helping lots of people through through your research and through the the processes that you went through to like find out different ways to like to better yourself you know i mean i think that's that has to like feel like really pretty rewarding to you no it does i mean i definitely if there's anything besides the satisfaction of of me being up and walking and um you know walking through the airport and I walk, you know, I, tra I travel, I, I joke, I travel more now without legs than I ever did with legs. And, you know, a walk through uh, the airport through Houston, you know, these, or Chicago or, or Dallas or even LAX, right? Like major airports that I'll, I'll wear my little GPS Garmin and I'll, I'll end up walking for an hour and 15 minutes and ended up doing like, three, you know, 3.5 miles just going through the airports from gate to gate. And I'm just covered in sweat and <laughs> I love it. And, you know, I'm, I'm good because thank God I'm able to do that. <clears throat> but it is rewarding knowing that um, I did, and, and I mean, you know, I don't mean it in like in a selfish way, like I did this, this is a medal, I, you know, I did, uh, and anything like that, or I should be awarded anything. But I do find comfort or reward or, um, I mean, it is nice to know that I, I gave an option and an opportunity for other guys when they had that initial conversation with the processes and the doctors of, man, this just isn't staying on. Is there anything else out there? And instead of what I, you know, what I went through of just being told no, and I kind of had to put all the pieces together and create the process myself um, of, of the bone lengthening and then figuring out like how, how that would work and how that would, how that would really work on a, a guy with a, a short femur. Um, so, you know, it's, it, that, that is rewarding. Did I, I know you've, you've been reward or awarded three bronze, stars and and you were also a purple heart recipient were were any of the because i i couldn't find like what where what they were given for specifically but were was anything awarded to you for this okay no, no i mean because I, yeah. I you know like obviously like i assumed it was all for for you know um for your 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 injuries and and but i was i, I was curious because it is something that really at the end of the day, like it does, it deserves an award. I mean, and, and, and really, I mean, I, I mean, I'm being serious because it is, yeah. it's something that you're, you're changing, um, you're changing people's lives when, when, you know, it's like really difficult, you know, I mean, some of the stuff we do at the abstract athlete is talking about mental health and mental wellness. And, you know, like, in general, like we as humans deal with mental health issues all the time and stuff, but like having lost limbs has to be 
like in, incredibly difficult. But the way that I read your story is like you were like, nope, fuck it. I'm not I'm not taking no for an answer. And, but not everybody's like that. And and to have what you've brought to them, it just it feels to me like it is worthy of of acknowledgement in a, in a grander way. I mean, not to like, not to have you answer this yeah. question because it's not a question, but it is something that I think, you know, it, I, I use the word inspiring a lot on this podcast because I, I I'm lucky enough that I think we get guests on here that I think do, do have like content that is incredibly inspiring. It's uplifting. It makes people think it makes people maybe change the way that they, go about their daily business. And I think what you did and what you're doing is that. Yeah. I mean, you know, so I, I appreciate that. Um, I, you know, when I got injured, there's, you know, to go back to your point of like resiliency and, and some of the app, you know, the abstract athlete thing. Um, there is, I, I mean, I can only imagine, uh, other horrible scenarios such as losing limbs that you're kind of just awoken to. Right. You know, I mean, um, when I, you know, I don't know. So I'll tell you this story. Um, you know, I get injured and I finally get woken up in Germany in launch duel and I had been unconscious intubated, uh, not, you know, intubated and uh, unconscious for about three days. Um, just out of it while they're going through the surgeries and, and they just couldn't wake me up. And they, uh, they tried waking me up a couple of times before, um, they wanted me conscious and breathing on my own for the flight back to DC. And, uh, so they, the first couple of times they tried waking me up and they, they told my wife, uh, when they were, they were telling her the story that I was like fighting them and very aggressive. So they would, you know, uh, uh sedate me again. Um, and kind of like they gave it one last shot and I was, I was calmer. So sort of breathing on my own and not fighting them and freaking out. And, uh, I just remember getting, you know, kind of coming out of this, uh, this nightmare scenario that was like going through my head because I just, uh, I don't know. I felt like I was in this limbo state of, I didn't know how much time had passed. I wasn't really dreaming. I was still feeling pain. I was super thirsty. Um, I just remember like screaming in my head and praying to God to wake me up. So that way I can get something to drink. Um, just you know, the cotton mouth, I feel like I, I still, uh, I, I can still like feel it and like, uh, r- reminds me of it. Um, but I just remember getting woken up and, and it felt like my five senses were reset and uh, everything was kind of a blur. Um, I knew I wasn't dreaming. I was like awake. Um, and there was somebody next to me and it kind of felt like this female presence who I'm assuming was a doctor and nurse. And she says, uh, Captain Harrow, do you know where you are? And I said, you know, no, or I, I try and say no. And uh, she says, you're in launch to Germany. So right away, everything that had been going through my mind um, of like, what's going on, this chaos, uh, I was like, well, well, shit, like something seriously, something serious happened. And so I said, oh, you know, okay. And she said, do you know what happened? And I said, no. And she said, you, you stepped on an IED. And I just remember kind of like my heart racing for a second. And I said, did I, you know, did I lose a leg? Um, Thinking, you know, in my mind, my, my first assumption was like, all right, well, I'm a, I'm, I lost my foot or I'm, you know, I'm a single BK and like within a span of like, you know, less than half a second, I'm going through that scenario of like, well, I've seen guys run marathons. I've seen guys get back to like being an SF guy again, just missing like, you know, below their, their shin. 
um, you know, that, okay, you know, like, well, just let me know what's going on. Tell me what's going on. And uh, she said, well, uh, actually, I'm sorry. You lost both legs below the knee. And I was quiet for a second and I let that sit like settle. And immediately my next question was like, well, all right, do I sell my dick? <laughs> and she's like, she's like, and she was like, kind of like taken aback. I, like, I remember it was like, uh, she's like, yes, still have that. And I was like, all right, you know, and I, and I couldn't see, like I said, but I felt like my five senses were reset, and uh, it was all a blur. And I said, okay, you know, like now I'm like running down the list, like no legs, still got my dick, like my, do I have my arms? Like what's missing? Like tell, like tell me, like what I'm working with here, so that way I can like figure this out. Where, where you know, wake up. And she's like, well, you know. Um, you lost two fingers on your right on your right hand and suffered significant soft tissue damage on your right arm. But the doctors think that they're going to be able to save your right arm. And I was like, all right, you know, like, so they're saving it. I, I missed some fingers, but I still got my dick, right? Like that's still there. And she's like, yep, that's, that's still there. And I was like, all right. And, um, and then I passed back out. And honestly, that was like really all I remember about uh, waking up in Germany and kind of like dealing with this just bizarre situation that just didn't even feel like reality at the moment of hey guess what you're awake now you have no legs and um the doctors think that they're gonna be able to save your arm so it may it may go missing but it may not and you can't see any of this and you're super thirsty and we're gonna drug you and you're gonna fall back asleep and um but hey all right you know good night right that had to be i mean that has to be surreal like that has to be just but like at, at what point in time like so that you flew back to the United States right after that. And like, it, you know, again, like I, I'm only going by what some of the stuff that I've read from different accounts that it, it felt like you were immediately that, that resilience came through, like, you know, and I, I, I'm curious, like obviously being, being a military, like you have to be strong and, and resilient and stuff. But do you think some of, some of that, want and that need or or whatever was also because of your athletic background like kind of that that you know like i'm not taking no for an answer i'm gonna you know for lack of a better way to say it i'm gonna score a goal like i'm gonna you know i'm i'm gonna push through this because i you know like again one of the cool things uh, that article that came out in lacrosse magazine i think in 2016 mm -hmm. i think it was that um you getting back on the field um and playing um, with, uh, with a, is that, it's a, it's a veteran based, uh, lacrosse team. It's right. And like, I, like that had to be just, again, another surreal moment for you to be able to get back on that field and do that. Yeah. Um, so, so first off the, the resiliency piece, I mean, I, 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 not, I don't just think, but I, I really believe that, you know, uh, athletics are so important in development mentally and physically and emotionally for, for people. Um, you know, I, I grew up just playing sports and being around sports and hockey was, hockey was my first love. Um, it got me into lacrosse. Um, I grew up playing little league baseball. Um, you know, I played CYO basketball. Uh, I played soccer growing up. I loved playing touch football. Um, you know, I played like a season or two seasons, maybe max of like organized football and like the middle school uh, level, um, high school, I wrestled for a season. Um, so just being around athletics and, and that, you know, really understanding that drive and that determination that takes to be successful at your sport, 
um, and how that translates to, to life in general. You know, academically, you know, it's the same thing, the same effort that you put into something, regardless if it's just throwing a ball against a wall and trying to be, you know, the best lacrosse player that there is to studying uh, Japanese kanji and trying to teach yourself Japanese as a high school student. You know, like it's the same work ethic and which both, you know, both I did in high school. Um, and, and I think that translates also to the special operations community. You know, um, if, if you don't have it mentally, that's, you know, that's like the biggest thing that they're looking for, whether it's just, whether as an SF guy, whether you go to Coronado and go watch Buds, whether you go to Benning and watch, uh, you know, Ranger indoctrination, not only are they just, not only are they looking for a guy that's, you know, a physical stud, um, but most importantly, they're looking for somebody that has a mentally, you know, that's, that's such a big piece. And, and honestly, you know, seeing this world and being involved in this world as a, as an injured guy, uh, as, as a wounded warrior, um, guys that come from the special operations community usually fare better mentally uh, with these type of injuries, just because you are already selected once for your mental stamina, right? You're, you're already, a um, a mind ninja, you know, you're, there's a reason that they, you got selected, not just because you could throw a ruck on your back and go nonstop for 10 hours, or you can just run until they tell you to stop, or, um, you know, you can go three days without food, whatever it is, like you're, you're mentally tough enough. And that resiliency piece, I think it translate and ha did translate through my life. And it still does today. Um, you know, pr professionally, uh, it's just, it's something huge. And, you know, I do these podcasts at least once a month, somebody wants to hit me up and not a problem. Like I love doing these things. Um, I, I really think that just like any other talent that people ha that people have, some people are born with a little more, some people are born with a little less, but if you're able to do stuff to practice and sharpen and hone that skill, resiliency being one of them, uh, it, it flourishes, it develops. You know, I, I was just talking to JB when I did my podcast with JB on the, that win, the win podcast and, and talking about grit. Um, you know, I still, I still, I still like doing tough workouts. You know, I, I still try and do things to, to push myself mentally. Um, you know, the, the ice bath being one of them. Um, I, I, I think it's great mentally. I think it's great for meditation, but I also think it's great because it still pushes me where I have to force myself to leave my comfort zone for 10 to 15 minutes and go sit in 40 to 50 degree water and, and just sit there and just, that, just be. That's the Wim Hof method stuff. Yeah. I mean, that's part of, that is part of the yeah. Wim Hof stuff. Um, I, interesting enough, I got into Wim Hof this year. I was doing, I was doing the, the ice stuff. I would be doing the yoga, um, I guess quasi meditation. But once I, once I had like three or four different people all within one month, be like, Oh, do you do Wim Hof? And I was like, well, I think this is a sign from the universe. For me to go pick up. <laughs> and so I, I ordered one of his books and I was like, yeah, I was like, I, I totally believe in the cold. You know, I've been doing cold water immersion since college, uh, just cause it was, I felt great getting out of the ice bath. And, you know, I didn't really know the science behind it. I just knew, man, I feel refreshed and ready to run again right. in 24 hours later. You know, I was just talking to one of my students last night cause they were in a, in an ice bath, and I was, I, it brought back memories of really, truly when I, I, I the only times I ever did ice baths, was, uh, I fully submerged in one of those things was because I tweaked a back playing baseball. And I remember getting in there and it's just like, whoa, this is, it, it just puts you in an entirely different, like 
you have to be mentally strong to sit in that thing. I mean, because yeah. it's just, it, 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 that shock of that moment you sit in, it's like, Oh, okay. But once you get to that point, like once you can get pushed past that first, what is it like two minutes? Like you get it, yeah. you get it. And you, like you said that you're really like, you're refreshed. You're ready to go again. So it is, it's, it's one of those things you, you mentioned about, about um like that mental toughness and and perseverance like because i do think and and getting uncomfortable um and being okay with being uncomfortable with it because i i think that that's one of those things that we're almost like taught not to be able not to want to do that and i think it's like really important to be uncomfortable to succeed i i I talk a lot about failure um and and what that really means like i i come come at it through a baseball world where I think, you know, failure, you're, you're failing 70% of the time, but it's like, that's where you learn. And, and I think like, even like with Wim Hof and different like meditations and stuff, cause I think meditation is difficult for a lot of people, but it's like, it's okay to like, I don't want to say fail at it, but like, like not be comfortable with it, but just to keep doing it and to, you know, like to practice, you know, and I think that's the one of the biggest things. And, you know, watching, learning about Wim Hof, um, you know, listening to different, uh, like, I don't even know if it's a technical term, but like gurus and uh, kind of like Buddhist masters, like um, they call like ricochets. I, I think in Tibetan, it means like um, reincarnated. Um, I just because I not that I'm like a practicing Buddhist, I just find like the mindfulness piece to that, like yeah. super interesting. Um, you know, and it's, it's not just the, it's not just like the action of like sitting there and being like, all right, my eyes are shut. I'm focusing, I'm meditating, but it's the actual practice of every day saying this is for five minutes. I'm going to sit here and just work on my breathing and just concentrate on my breathing. And, and that right there, it's those like second and third order effects that that's like where you start to see the success and you start to try, you know, you start to understand mindfulness you start to understand like what meditation is kind of understand you know what what all these guys that are the people have, that have been doing and writing books about it and speaking about it or, or kind of like talking about you know it's it's uh it's it, you know now in society everybody wants to see like what's going on you know tell me in 140 140 uh you characters know, <laughs> or you only, you only have 59 seconds on instagram to like inform me you know um i'm doing this thing for humana uh, I got asked to just do kind of like a, a little speaking thing and, and do a, a forum and they're like, all right, you have 10 minutes to tell them about resiliency. And in my mind, I was like, <laughs> I don't, you know, not, and not that I'm comparing myself to Buddha or Jesus or Gandhi or any of these other people that like get asked that have spoken about like and pontificated about amazing things, not comparing myself to that. <laughs> I was just, it was just thinking about it. I'm like, you think somebody went to Jesus and said, Hey, you only got 10 minutes on the mouth, you know, like, <laughs> go go tell your story. You only got, you only got ten to fifteen minutes. Oh, to try and jam it all in, yeah. you know. Um, well, yeah, I, I, yeah. I think you know. I was going to ask you, like, one of the things we're trying to do is be proactive about these things. You know, we're using creativity a lot, kind of in the sense of meditation, like getting in that state of flow, and and thinking about 
you know, like military and, and, you know, we work with athletes as well and being proactive in the approach as opposed to reactive in the approach where, you know, the reactivity of the, not that there's a bad thing with being reactive, but if you're proactive, at least you're, you have like this set of ways to, that, you know, work. And it's like, do you think that the military, because to me, it feels like the military is becoming more and more aware of like the importance of mindfulness. And maybe I'm wrong, but it, like, just from talking to people like you, um, that it feels like there is like a little bit of a turn and in, in that understanding that we need to like pay attention to the mental health of of our active military, as opposed to, again, reacting when they're veterans and in this state of like, you know, not that people all, all have PTSD or anything, but like, do you think it is something where it's becoming more and more integrated within the systems of, of active military? I think it's, I definitely think that there's an attempt to make mindfulness and, uh, you know, definitely the issues of mental health more so now than ever um, is is there and on the radar. I it's difficult for me to say because I've been you know technically out of the game since 2012 when I got injured um, about what's you know what's going on in the military, what teams are doing, how how do they look at mindfulness, how do they you know do, do has anyone even explained to them like you know meditation isn't just some like hippie bullshit you know but like it's something something that like athletes do you know me. I, we had at West Point, we had the Center for Enhanced Performance, CEP and Doc Zinzer, um, that he he was really the first one to, um, you know, educate me and, and, and I know other guys on the team about, you know, these, basically, they, we made like this positive reinforcement uh, CD, like he kind of did some like goal setting and wrote down like what you want to achieve for the season and you would sit in the egg chair and relax and, and kind of like just start, start to zone out. And they would play like this, uh, like reaffirmation to kind of help you like get you in the flow and think about like what you're going to do, what you're going to do up at practice, you know, like what you're going to do before the game. And, um, you know, some guy, the guys that I know that took it seriously, uh, they had great results from it. You know, they were, they, they showed up to practice, uh, ready in the flow state. And everyone, you know, I, me personally, I would help me get into my flow state. And it took me to about my senior, it took me to my senior year towards the end of the season for me to realize what, what really I needed to do mentally to get in the flow state. I would go over before uh, games and I would just jog around the field and just one physically warm up, but also uh, like sensory wise, I was like, I was, I was at the field. I was at Mikey stadium. This is where we were going to go play. You know, the smells, the, the, the sunlight, I was, I was, uh, engaged kind of like with all five, five senses, um, and ready, ready to get going compared to other guys that, that maybe weren't as serious about it. Just showed up to the locker room, got dressed, walked out to the stadium and they, you know, they were off. I don't, you know, they were, pro I, I don't know if they were engaged as well, but you know, me personally, um, I just felt like guys like myself that, that took it a little more seriously. We, you know, performed a little better, at least mentally. I, 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 that's, I, I kind of teach that in my a, a class I started at, at Virginia Commonwealth is like trying to get students, student athletes to do creative things before they have practice or have a game. Because I do think, you perform better because you aren't like, you don't have that anxiety of like that pre-game anxiety, which I, you know, I can still remember those, 
Like it's okay yeah. to have nerves, but it's also like if you're in that flow state, like you're just the the focus and visual the visualization are are just way more um, in line. I think. I just think it's, yeah. it it just it creates that that space where I just I, I just think that I don't know. I mean, it's it is it's just one of those things. Like you're you're talking about these things that are so specifically. Um, about the ideas that I, uh, you know, been trying to preach to my student athletes and stuff. A real quick break. Make sure to follow Ben on Instagram at b h a r r o w three seven, and also check out Pam Jets website, pamjets.com. And also a reminder to check out the other podcasts on the Abstract Athlete Network, The Abstract Doctors with Dr. G and Dr. C, and One Man's Ethos, the Tony Mandarich Podcast. Now back to Ben. I, I do want to talk like a little bit about like what you're up to now. Um, like I know you've been working for Pam Jets for a while. You're the you were the VP, but now you're a president. Is that correct? Is that um, Correct. Okay. Like, tell, yeah. maybe tell, like, and I also want to know, like, uh, you know, one of the things I read was an interest in coaching. Um, like, if, if you are doing that to some respects. And again, like, thinking about, like, are you still active? Like, I know you're still active in lacrosse world. Like, what what kind of uh, things you're doing um, in that? And you're also, do, you do some um, sled hockey stuff. I don't know if you still do that, but again, like it's stuff that I've read that you have done in the past, but kind of like what you're up to now, um, and what you're doing with Pam jets and, and, and all that stuff. Sure. Um, well, so athletically, I, you know, I, where to begin with that. So, (laughs) so yes, I, I did, I was playing, you know, I, I did, I did a couple, or I guess I did two, uh lacrosse tournaments where i played goalie over at shootout for soldiers which was great um you know me personally as as an athlete uh i needed i i wanted to compete and do something competitive you know stepping back in the lacrosse field that was cool awesome high five i had a great lacrosse career in college um you know i after four years of non-stop playing lacrosse i mean come senior year i was you know, like anyone else, like you're kind of burned out and I was ready to, for my next challenge in the army. So I definitely, I wasn't laying in my hospital bed thinking, man, I just wish I can get back on the lacrosse field, but it was awesome to do that. You know, it was, it was really cool. Um, what did help me mentally and physically, I think in my recovery was, uh, getting back on the ice. Um, you know, like I said, I, I grew up playing hockey and I was even playing you know, like club hockey and pickup hockey on, on Tuesdays and Thursdays at the rink at Bragg and um, on Sunday nights, just whenever I could, you know, just because I, I love skating and I, I love playing hockey and it was fun. Yep. Um, so after I got injured, you know, they're like, oh, well, you know, you, you play lacrosse. Do you want to play wheelchair lacrosse? I was like, I, I don't want to play wheelchair lacrosse. Like, you know, it's a, the fastest game on two feet. Like it would just be even more depressing for me if I have to wheel around with a lacrosse stick and just frustrated. I was like, that's not that's not I know that's not going to help but thank you for asking. Um, and they said, well, well, we have sled hockey. And once again, I was like, come on, man, like handicapped kid hockey. Like I, I just, all right, you know, and finally I sucked up my ego, uh, which I, I think is, is another big thing to being successful is, is being to si- being able to silent your ego. And I, I went out, you know, went down to the rank and, uh, you know, got in a sled and 
nothing fit and I couldn't, you know, had trouble balancing and I was frustrated, but, um, it was, it was nice being back on the ice and it just felt comforting and, you know, normal in this like new fucked up world of not having legs of being in a rink and you walk into a hockey rink, it smells like a hockey rink, no matter where you go. You know, the, the game is still played on the same size sheet of ice. The goal is still four by six, you know, it's still three, you know, the, the red line and blue line and the, the four five face-off dots, it's all the same. You know, it's just obviously now it's, it's how you move around on the ice is different. And, you know, also for me, I, I, my, my first position, my first love was, was goalie. So I was able to play goalie and, and sled hockey and I was able to start being competitive again. And we played on a, I played on a competitive team with the other injured guys and at Walter Reed and, um, it, it was fun. I, I enjoyed being competitive again. And then I had the opportunity actually to, to go to Italy and, uh, play with the Italian national team. So I was, you know, I was traveling, I was playing, playing hockey at the international level and just kind of like doing cool stuff again. Um, you know, like that's, it's, it, it was, it was fun to me and exciting and new. And I, I love that. And, um, you know, I think that helped a lot mentally with my re- rehab and, uh, my, my, my therapy and learning how to walk again. So, so I did that for a while. Um, I, I stopped playing sled hockey just because, you know, moving in and transitioning to the business world. Plus I have two kids and, and, you know, talking about coaching. Um, I, I, I was, uh, also I got like more into mono skiing just cause I enjoyed being outside again up on the mountain. And I had, I had just come back from a, a weekend practice in Torino with the Italian team. And uh, I was sitting on the chairlift like one Wednesday, one Wednesday, just getting a couple of runs in at the the hill. I mean, it's really only like a hill, not a mountain up in Pennsylvania when I was living in D.C. And I was on the chairlift and I was just thinking to myself, you know what? Like why hockey's fun. It's good. It's, it's cool going to Italy, um, but I'd, I'd rather spend more time being able to, to go to my son's hockey practices and trying to teach him what, what I learned and you know, passing off that, that athletic knowledge and then, you know, taking my daughter and being there for my daughter on the weekends for her little soccer practices. And, and also, you know, when I have time, like I, I enjoy being here and, and outdoors and, and, and skiing and, you know, maybe, maybe mono skiing is like my outdoorsy thing, athletic thing to do. And uh, that's, you know, kind of how it transitioned is now, you know, athletically I'm, I'm in the gym, I work out, I do yoga, whatever, but, um, Whenever I can, you know, I, I love skiing and that, that's become a big thing for me. And also in terms of like gaining the self-confidence to go down some of those runs and being, you know, I hate to say it, but, you know, it is what it is being, being legless and handicapped uh, on, on the mountain. It can be kind of scary and you have to like figure that out. And it's the same way with having, you know, two prosthetic legs living life outside in the real world. You know, there's hills, there's slopes, there's steps, there's, there's some challenging terrain. Um, just like how you have to figure out how you're going to start a run or finish a run or where you're going to go on the run. You have to kind of figure out where you're going to, where you're going to walk, you know, how you are going to get down that slope? And if you fall, you, all right, well, now you have to figure out how to pick yourself up. And, uh, that, that helped a lot, you know, get me confident in, in walking around. Um, and then, you know, lastly, business wise, um, you know, so my first job out of the army, uh, like, like a lot of people, it was like, you know, First off, you know, my, my first job, my trying to figure out what I was going to do as a, as a job out of the army, uh, at the same time, you know, 
not having legs, doing the rehab process, regrowing bone and, and all that. Um, I actually, you know, my, my first thought was like, all right, well, what are all my West Point peers doing? You know, like at first, before I got injured, I was kind of thinking about throwing in my paperwork and going to grad school anyway. So I was like, well, I guess, you know, everyone's going to get their MBA. I guess I should go get my MBA. And uh, I, I applied to some top schools and I, I was doing my, uh, I got a phone interview with the Dean of Admissions at a Kellogg for Northwestern oh. and, and just telling her my story. And finally, she's like, Ben, you know, you got an amazing story. I would love to have you here. Uh, I think you'd be a great addition. But I, I just have to be honest and ask, why do you want to go to business school? And it just caught me off guard. And I, I tiptoed around the answer and I gave her like an answer about why I wanted to go. And after we got hung up the phone, I was like, well, shit, why do I want to go to business school? <laughs> you know, like if, if this lady who's the dean of admissions is like, yeah, you can come, but why do you really want to come? You know, I was like maybe I need to take a step back and analyze what I'm doing. And so what I did is first of all, it's I good need... for her to actually ask that question because I don't think most people would ask that question. Yeah. And, and I, I mean, I'm so appreciative that she did because I like, I feel like life kind of worked out for me uh, this way, you know? So what, what I did instead was I used every opportunity I had while I was at the hospital to, to network to figure out what it was I want to do, to maybe create some sort of internship and then turn that internship into like an apprenticeship. And then, you know, and then really figure out like, all right, do I like this? Do I not like it? And uh, I had the opportunity to, to do like little internships, one at like an IT company that was doing government contracting. And um, I sat in, you know, inside of an agency and I was like, you know what, I just, if I'm not playing on the, if I'm not in the game, I don't want to be on the sidelines as much as it's cool to be around other SF guys and, you know, telling stories about when they went through bugs or listening to this Marsoc, you know, hanging around Marsoc guys and being around the community. That's great. But I, I, I can't do this for like a living. It's just, it's not me. I need something else. And then, um, I had the opportunity to do an internship at a, at a wealth management firm. And I was like, well, you know, this is, I, know, I don't really know much about finance and I was learning more and it kind of opened up my eyes to a lot of different things. And I made some friends and networked and I just, you know, didn't end up taking a job there, but I just, it was almost like a, a little education in itself about this, this, this whole other world out there. And uh, just continued to network in my first gig outside of the army. I, I ended up working for a cybersecurity company and I ran all of their, I got asked to build up their government business. And uh, the guy that I worked with every day, um, he ran all the commercial sales. So every day we were just kind of like on the phone together and we would, I'd set up a meeting here or he'd set up a meeting there and we'd like tag team everything together. And I, I learned a lot from him and we became best friends and still we're best friends to this day. And uh, about two years in, you know, we both were like, I'm not really into the cybersecurity thing and trying to figure out what was next. And, you know, he came from aviation and he was uh, he was a United pilot. He ran Pfizer's corporate fleet and he was just, you know, he was around aviation since he was 18 years old. And uh, he said to me, he's like, Look, Ben, I'm, I'm leaving. I'm leaving the company. I'm going to go start this aircraft management company. And uh, just wanted to see if you'd be interested in starting this, this, this company up with me, this project. And I was like, you know, right away, I was like, I'm in, but you just got to know. <laughs> I had me at, I don't uh. <laughs> yeah, I was like, I, but I was like, I just got to let you know, I, you know, full disclosure, I only know how to jump out of planes and how to drop bombs from planes. I don't know anything about planes. He's like, don't worry. He's like, look, the reason I'm asking you to help me build this is because 
you know, I need somebody to help me run the operation and, and the operational piece of this. And at the same time, you know, the business development piece and, and everything that we did together over there when it came to, you know, I, I looked at stuff the same way I did as like an SF officer, like, all right, well, it's business, it's a business world now, but we're still mapping the human terrain. And how do I get in front of people? And what are the motivators? And how do I build rapport? And how do I make somebody say yes? And a lot of that I learned as an SF captain, um, and even as a, an infantry platoon leader in Iraq, um, just trying to get people to say yes to you and, and make the sale and sell yourself and sell, you know, sell the product, whatever that may be. Um, and so that was four years ago. And we started with and started kind of like with this idea of a company and zero planes. And here we are four years later. And by the end of this year, I think we'll be at uh, 16 or 17 aircraft under management. Yeah, that's amazing. That's amazing. Absolutely. I mean, I, that, yeah. I mean, again, like I, I go back to these things with you, like that things that you have done and do like that they have to be rewarding i mean like that has to be like really cool to just from scratch start you know like that's what i feel like with with what we're doing like it's starting in this space of just like we're kind of inventing the space in some ways and it's it is it's it's a rewarding thing to like look back on and go wow like i can't believe we are where we are like and you have to be saying that like four years ago and where you are now to be like whoa like this is pretty crazy like to be where it is. Yeah. I mean, I definitely, we, we, we definitely have those moments and conversations where, you know, I'll, I'll pull up or I'll have on my computer, uh, one of, one of like the apps that we use that just track our aircraft when they're flying to and from and making sure, you know, the operation is running and everyone has what they need and everything's in place. Um, and I'll, I'll see the list of all the tail numbers that we're, where we are responsible for. And it just blows my mind that, you know, we're starting to run out of space in that column where I remember, you know, when we first started, there was, there's like two planes on there and it was just like, man, you know, <laughs> how, how do we grow that? You know, how do we get bigger? And, and yeah, it's been, uh, it's been quite the journey. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I appreciate the opportunity that both, uh, Dave and Tony, the, the two founders of the company, um, you know, gave me, um, and just saw the opportunity, you know, presented that opportunity and, and saw my potential, um, especially just coming from coming from the military and the special operations world. Uh, they understood like, look, operations are operations and responsibility is responsibility and leadership is leadership. And if you can check those three blocks, you know, you, you'll still be you'll be successful anywhere. I, I always like to ask this question because I, I think it's you know, it kind of tells, you know, like a backstory of somewhat so this is gonna be like kind of a two-parter thing, but like who, like who are people that are inspirational to you? Like, it sounds like probably you know Tony and Dave. Was it Dave? Did you say? Yeah, um, are probably inspiring people to you. Um, but like some other people, like that maybe like through your, you know, it could be it could be like military based, it could be athletically based, it could be a teacher that like you know like helped you along the way, and then like maybe in that as well, like what, what do you see like for the future? Like obviously Pam Jetch is, is growing, like you're, you're becoming more busy. Um, like, like how do you see like things unfolding, you know, a projection of sorts for next 10 years or something? Yeah. Um, you know, so I don't think that there's no, there isn't like one, one person that I could yeah. say, 
you know, I, I, I look up to every day and, and, and admire, um, which if I was a Buddhist, I guess it's the wrong thing to say. I should say good morning. <laughs> every morning. New age but, Buddhism. Um, yeah. No, I, I think, but what I do think I, I, I don't know where I figured this out or when I figured this out. I'm, you know, I'm always like learning. And so whether it's, whether it's a good lesson or a bad lesson, and I, I mean, you know, whether it's a, a good example or a bad example, um, I just, I take note and I imitate. And that's been, you know, as, as a young hockey player, maybe seeing older guys and trying to like tie my skates like them or put my, you know, tape my socks up like them and how they puck handle. And, um, you know, like the way some things that maybe coaches said to me, um, and, and some coaches that just really resonated with me. Um, but just, just trying to imitate success and, and definitely in the military more so, um, and, and even in the business world, you know, seeing what doesn't work and taking note of that and going, aha, all right, let's never do that again, you know, <laughs> or let's not, let's, let's not be that guy. Like I, I watched them fail. Don't, don't do that. They failed. And, you know, as a, as a young Lieutenant <clears throat> being around company commanders and captains and majors, um, you know, the, you're, I think you're new in the big army and you're, you know, you want to be a sponge and be like, all right, acting like that leader works, acting like that leader is a failure. And I, me personally, I, I feel like that's what I try to do, um, you know, especially in the military when it comes to leadership, but, but definitely in business as well of just, you know, lessons learned and, and not forgetting about that and being a student of history. Yeah. yeah. Now I, I, I... I agree. Like personally, it is that I've, I try to pull from people that I think do it the right way, whatever that means. Like, and it can be from anywhere, like, you know, whether it's a former athlete, whether it's a former teacher, whether it's uh, whoever, a business person, like, and so it is, it becomes like this hodgepodge of different, you know, ways of leadership. Like I, I even think about, you know, like after reading JB's book, you know, like taking bits and pieces from like how he talks about stuff. I just like think it is that like that sponge kind of um, way of going about stuff. Take the things that you think work for you and, and move forward with it. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think JB and JB has a, uh, to give JB a shout out. Um, <laughs> his, his, I do, you know, he sent me his book. Yeah. At first I was like, Thanks. You know, I get it. You're trying to promote yourself. I'll, I'll check it out. And uh, I actually really enjoyed it because I did too. it was, it was, it was like the perfect length, right? Like it was, it was short enough where you could finish it in like in a day, yep. it, you know, even less and like great little tidbits of like knowledge in there of like leadership, you know, and uh, it wasn't heavy handed. It was very, yeah. it was very matter of fact. And, and I, yeah, I agree. Like I, I really, really enjoyed it. Um, and just take, you know, bits and pieces from that. It's, and I, and I, I'm not a, like, I'm, I, 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 reading is difficult for me because like, I, I don't have ADD or anything, but I, I get like, I start thinking of other stuff, like, cause I'm a, I'm a painter and I'm a musician. So I like, I start, yeah. you know, I'll be reading like, Oh, I have an idea in my head. And then like, you know, then I just get lost and, and so yeah. reading's like really difficult. So, but it was, it was a very easy read. Um, but there was definitely stuff in there that I just like latched onto. So it was, it was nice. Yeah. He was, uh, uh, I mean, are you, I don't want to say, 
I don't want to say that he's joking, but he always jokes about it that uh, that he's we're, that me and him are going to collaborate on his second book. And I'm like, all right, well, let me <laughs> let me know, like, however I can help, because I've never really written a book before. And that, that's pretty cool. And I would love to, like, you know, help out however I can and, and, and spread the word. <laughs> Absolutely. No, I think that'd be awesome. I think that'd be yeah. great. Well, you know. I- I, again, this is another question I always kind of like to ask, and maybe this can be like, you know, like the wrap up type of a thing, but first of all, you're a Brooklyn guy. So I have, I have to ask, are you a Yankee fan or a Met fan? Um, I'm a Yankee fan. I I actually, um, (laughs) dang it. So when I was, when I was in the hospital, well, actually real quick, did you see the 30 for 30 that just came out about the the Mets? Mets? Yeah. Um, I have, I've only seen a bit of it so far and I, I, I want to sit down and kind of binge watch the whole thing. Because yeah, it was I, it was really good. I heard really I heard good. I was I had old high school buddies that knew I was or that know I'm a Met fan like texting me and like oh my god this is so good. I have my you can't yeah. see it because I have I mean hold on. Oh okay, there it is. <laughs> the old school Mets, but no, I just I I love baseball and um but I yeah I grew up a Met Met fan. And, but I like all sports and it's like, so being yeah. a, being a New Yorker, like you are, I mean, I'm, I'm an Ohio guy, but like being a New Yorker, like you are like sports is a big thing in that city. So, I mean, I'm, I'm, ass, I'm assuming that that had some, like, are you like a hockey fan, like Rangers? No. Um, so, so my teams growing up, interestingly enough, um, you know, baseball, I, I, I didn't really, I just kind of, I felt I, I follow the Yankees because my grandfather uh, was a, my grandpa was a huge Yankee fan and, you know, the, the game was always on at my grandparents' house whenever we would go out there. Um, so everybody's Yankee fans, but I wasn't baseball. I mean, I enjoyed playing baseball, but I wasn't like a huge baseball fan. And right. so I just kind of like, you know, followed whoever. Um, but hockey, I was in, I, I was a Blackhawks fan and football. I was a Bears fan. Oh, wow. And it was really because, uh, my, my lust for Chicago was really because the 86 bears was like the first <laughs> sports team as, when I was five years old. So it was like the first sports team that I, I knew about and they yep. just won the Super Bowl. and, uh, and Walter Payton was like a star. And so I, you know, like, that was kind of like my first idol was Walter Payton and, uh, you know, sweetness and just how he ran and he, you know, n- nobody, he just refused to be tackled. And, um, and then, so when I started playing hockey, um, I didn't have a hockey jersey at first, so I just wore this Bears football jersey. And so my nickname at the rink became Bear. And uh, I eventually, I eventually got awesome. you know, a Blackhawks jersey. Yeah. And so, and then I had a Blackhawks jersey, and Chicago was like kind of like my thing. I was like known as like the kid that like Chicago for some reason. Um, but uh, but uh, New York teams, uh, the Islanders, just because I grew up on on Long Island, so my dad would take my brother and I to Islander games. And, uh, like I have fond memories of us going to like weeknight games at Nassau Coliseum and, uh, we'd, we'd show up early and go watch warmups. And, uh, then we go up to like the nosebleed section, uh, and take our seats and then come like, we would wait until after the first period. And then, you know, so that way we would see, my dad would see like what seats were open, who yep. didn't come and like sit down. <laughs> so come the beginning of the second period, we would go sit down there and my dad would tip the guy like 20 bucks, whatever. I'd be like, hey, can we get those three seats? And so the rest of the game, we'd, we'd sit down like in the lower area by the glass. Yeah. Um, so yeah, but I, I so so New York team wise, I, I grew up more of a, an Islander fan. Yeah. 
I love that though. I actually remember, this is a stupid story, but I remember my band playing, I can't remember if we were at CBGB's, I don't know, we were playing a New York club once and for some reason we'd driven all night. So I was exhausted or we were all exhausted and we're on stage and I'm like, I said something like, thanks, thank you, Chicago or something. We're in the middle of New like, of all things to say, that's probably the worst thing you can yeah. say <laughs> being in New York. So I was like, okay, fine. Yeah. So, speaking of music, and this, like, I always um, put music, like write new music for each each episode. Any any style of music that you like um, that, uh, you know, like I can write something in that general, general um, idea? Or do you just kind of like whatever? I... Honestly, I, I listen to everything cool. from from like classical music, uh, like big Vivaldi fan, yeah. to uh, like classic rock. Love the Rolling Stones. To you know harder stuff like Metallica, and cool. um, and then you know even like trance electronic and like techno type music for like for when I'm working out or, or cardio. Yeah. And yeah, yeah. Um, you know, being funny enough, one of the ways that I helped teach myself Spanish or, or and, and learn Spanish when I was going through the Q course was I, I started to listen to like a lot of reggaeton. Yeah. And so now just to try and like, um, not stay fluent with it, but just stay relevant with Spanish is I, I listen to Spanish music a lot as well when I'm like driving around. Nice. Well, yeah. dude, I, you know, again, I just thank you for doing this uh, again. Like thanks to JB for putting us together. Like I, again, like it's, I, I just, first of all, your, your story is, whoever said that in, uh, um, the, the person, person at Kellogg, you, you do have a fascinating story. Um, and I think it's still happening. Like, and you know, because you're, st you're still pushing, pushing things like, and you're still doing like amazing things. And uh, you know, I, I do, I do think you're an, you're an inspiring human. I think really truly because I, you know, I, I, it goes back to that thing I said earlier. I just don't think you take no for an answer. Um, not in an aggressive way. I just think you're like self to yourself. And, and I think that that's an important lesson for anybody um, in, in how to approach life. And just, I, I, you know, like I just, I, I feel like really lucky that I, you know, I get to have these conversations with people like you. And, um, again, like, thank you. Thank you for your service. Thank you for what you're doing. Keep doing what you're doing, because I do think that you, you do inspire people like me included in, in how you approach stuff and, um, you know, it, look forward to like continuing the conversation. Um, one of the things that we are going to be doing in the future, um, that I would love to have you involved in when, when stuff gets done and JB knows about this, that we we bought uh, 20 acres of land in Montana that we're going to be doing like artist athlete residencies out there that, you know, we'll have workshops and, and different people coming out for speaking engagements and, and whatever. And um, like, I think you'd be like a perfect person to come out and, and get involved, like doing, doing meditation, like uh, classes and, you know, just whatever. And I just think um, having you involved would be awesome. So I, I would love to. Um, especially if you're not, if you're not that far from big sky, I, I would love to, to come out there. I think probably within an hour and a half, two hours, we're, we're in an air, we're about an hour South of Billings and about an hour North of Yellowstone and probably like two hours from Bozeman. So I think it's so probably like a couple hours from big sky. What? I mean, um, you, 
I, I would love to come and do do the retreat and yep. and uh, would be honored to, to to speak out there and and uh, help lead something or, yep. or no, you know, just, whatever I, you would want me to do. Just a general involvement, I think, is just you know, like because JB will be involved, and um, we're actually working with a couple other. Um, military because there's nothing on the land right now it's just land um so we yeah. you know we got to get started on that at some point in time but it's we're excited about like having you know this ability like like i was talking about earlier like about being proactive in the approach as opposed to reactive even though there will be reactive like art therapy and 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 physical therapy type stuff happening but if like again if we're being proactive in these approaches then i think we're just going to be better better equipped to deal with stuff so yeah no definitely um especially trying to trying to teach i don't know educate inspire yep uh pick your verb yep. uh when it comes to the mindfulness piece and yeah you know as an athlete as a you know as a tactical athlete as a college athlete professional athlete whatever um being able to to kind of like teach or, you know, open, open people's eyes on how important that piece is and, and what it takes to, to get into the flow state. What is the flow state? What is your flow state? How do you figure out your flow state? What are different techniques to get in there? Um, stuff like that. Yep. No, totally. Well, dude, I, again, I like super appreciate it. Uh, I will send you like, I'll have this out on Monday. Um, I'll send you some social media type like videos and, and pictures and stuff just to, you know, to feel free to share and stuff. But again, thank you. And like, as I said, look forward to like staying in touch with you and, and moving forward. So appreciate your time. Yeah. That'd be great, man. Cool. Thanks so much for having right, me. Man. Have a good weekend. I'll talk to you later. Right, bye. Like I said in the intro, it was truly an honor to have Ben on the podcast today really uh you know they don't make humans better than him i really appreciate his honesty and his willingness to share his incredible story of survival love hearing all of his incredible things that he's doing today uh just an incredible person make sure to follow ben on instagram at b h a r r o w 37 and again make sure to check out pam jets website pamjets.com a reminder to check out the other podcasts on the Abstract Athlete Network, The Abstract Doctors with Dr. G and Dr. C, and One Man's Ethos, the Tony Mandrich Podcast. Thank you for listening to The Abstract Athlete Podcast. Stop by our website, theabstractathlete.com, and our social media outlets for future events, pop-up exhibits, podcasts, and other information, including daily creative training journals and subscription boxes. Thanks as always. We will see you next week. And remember, do not forget to exercise the body and do not forget to exercise the mind. Stay well out there. Hey.